0: Welcome to the Summerton Church of God Sermon Podcast. A podcast to help you find life, freedom, and purpose in Jesus Christ. I'm going to continue to talk to you today on this subject in the middle. And what I want to talk to you about today specifically is this. I want to talk to you about strength for the middle. Did you know that every one of us here today who are believers, those of us who are followers of Christ, that we have been commanded, it hasn't been suggested to us, but we have been commanded to be spiritually strong. The Old Testament book of Joshua chapter 1 verse 9, God said to Joshua, he said, have I not commanded you be strong And courageous do not be afraid do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go I command you be strong and then the Apostle Paul and you should know this passage of Scripture by now in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10 says be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power So so every one of us as followers of Christ here today, as believers, we have been commanded by God to be spiritually strong. And that's what I'm talking to you about today. When I talk about strength, I'm talking about not physical strength, but spiritual strength today. Because you see, when God found you and me, he found us at our weakest point He found us at a point in time in our life when we had no strength whatsoever to resist the devil. That we had no strength whatsoever to resist temptation. We had no strength to resist lust in our lives. The Apostle Paul says as much here in Romans chapter 5, verse 6. When he said this, he said, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. And that describes you and me before we met Jesus Christ. We were without strength. We were helpless. We were weak. We could not resist the devil. We could not resist temptation. We could not resist lust. But the Bible says that in due time, God sent Jesus To die for us. And that when we put our faith and trust in Jesus Christ, when we open our heart and invite Jesus into our life, that He infuses us with power and He infuses us with strength. Listen to how Paul said it in Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. He said, I'm praying for you. And one of the things that I'm praying for you is that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. For those of us who believe in him, available to us is great power. And he said, let me tell you how great this power is. It's the same mighty power That raised Jesus Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. And then he tells us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he said, I also pray that from God's glorious, unlimited resources, that he will empower you with inner strength, spiritual strength through his spirit. And that's what happened to you and I when we opened our heart up to the Lord Jesus Christ. He infused us with power. He infused us with strength so that Paul would say, Not a Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that works in us. So it's salvation. Every single one of us was given a measure of strength. At salvation, every one of us was given a measure of power. But that measure of strength and measure of power that we received at salvation was never intended to sustain us throughout our entire lives. And that if we don't nourish and if we do not nurture that spiritual strength, we will get weak spiritually And that's the reason why so many in the body of Christ today are quitting. That's why they're giving up. That's why they are throwing in the towel is because they are spiritually weak. Paul said this in 2 Corinthians 4 and 16. He said, let me tell you why I don't quit. What the secret to my endurance is. He says, though our bodies are dying, he said our spirits are being renewed every single day. And you and I need to know that if we do not renew our spiritual strength, listen to me, every single day of our lives, we will get spiritually weak. And the classic example of this is It's from the Old Testament book of Judges, chapters 13 through 16, where we read about the life of a man by the name of Samson. Many of you know his story. It's told in four chapters. And in these four chapters, we see the beginning of Samson's life, we see the middle of his life, and then we see the end of his life. But what I want you to see here in the story of Samson is a man who took his strength for granted. The Bible tells here in Judges chapter 13, beginning at verse 3, that the angel of the Lord appears to Samson's mother and says, you are barren and childless, but you're going to become pregnant and you're going to give birth to a son. Now see to it, that you drink no wine or other fermented drink and that you do not eat anything unclean. Those of you women who have birthed children before know that sometimes when you're pregnant, you go on a special diet to protect that child that's in your womb. And the angel tells her that you are not to drink any fermented drink and that you are not to eat anything unclean. And he says that you will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. Because the boy is to be a Nazarite. Dedicated to God from the womb. And he will lead or take the lead in delivering Israel from the hand of the Philistines. And you remember me last week when we talked about Shema, that we talked about how the Philistines was that nemesis enemy against the nation of Israel. That is a picture of the devil and his demonic hordes who are doing their very best, persistently attacking us to try to steal, to kill, to destroy, to weaken us. But notice what this angel tells Samson's mother, that he is to be a Nazirite from the womb. What is a Nazirite? A Nazirite is one who for a particular season of time would, would consecrate and would sanctify themselves and separate themselves to God. And most of the time a Nazarite vow was, was Temporary. But that wasn't the case with Samson. Samson was to be a Nazarite his entire life. That meant that he was never to have anything to do with the grape. He was to not drink any wine. He was to not drink any kind of alcohol whatsoever. He was not to touch anything, any dead body that was unclean. And then he was to never shave the hair off of his head. Now, let me just set something straight right here because I know you grew up in Sunday school being taught that the secret of Samson's strength was his hair. Samson's strength did not come from his hair. If you believe that, you're a mystic. That's magic. Samson's strength did not come from his hair. You say, well then pastor, where did his strength come from? Continue reading Judges chapter 13. We go down and it says that the woman gave birth to a boy. She named him Samson, which means Sonny. And he grew and the Lord blessed him. And the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. You want to know where Samson's strength came from? It didn't come from his hair. Him not cutting his hair was just a daily reminder of where his strength came from. And every time he would see that hair, he would be reminded that my strength comes from the Lord, but his strength came from the spirit of God. And that's the beginning of his life. But then we go to Judges chapter 14 and we begin to see an episode in the middle of his life. It says that Samson went down. Anytime you see somebody making a bad decision in scripture, it usually says they went down. And it says that Samson went down to Timnah and there he saw a young Philistine woman. Now we're going to find out what his real weakness was. Women. And not just any women. Philistine women. Pagan women. Women God had told him to stay away from. And he goes down to Timnah and he sees a young Philistine woman and when he returned, he said to his father and mother, I've seen a Philistine woman in Timnah. Now go get her for me as my wife. Now his mother and daddy did try to stop him and said, listen, don't you think you can find a nice young lady from among our own people? Why do you have to go over here to this pagan nation to find a wife? And do you know what Samson's answer was? She looks good to me, daddy. And <laughs> how many of you know too many people make too many decisions Based on what looks good to him. He said, But she looks good to me, Daddy. And so the scripture goes on in verse 5. And Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother. And as they approached the vineyards, now Samson wasn't supposed to get anywhere near the grape. He was not supposed to get anywhere near the grapevines. He was not supposed to have anything to do with it. But as you're going to see, he gets closer and closer and closer. To the things that God had forbidden him from and it says that as they approached the vineyards of Timnah suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him well what did he do the spirit of the Lord not his hair but the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and so that he tore that lion apart with his bare hands that's who I want to go hiking with sorry Jonathan wherever you went The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat, but he didn't tell his father and he didn't tell his mother about it. Well, after this episode, he goes back home for a little while, but then verse eight tells us that sometime later when he went back to marry this Philistine girl, that he turned aside to look at that lion's carcass that he had killed earlier and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey And he scooped out the honey with his hands and ate it as he went along. And when he rejoined his parents, he gave them some and they ate it too. But he did not tell them that he had taken honey from the lion's carcass. Why did he tell tell his parents where he got the honey from? Because he was a Nazarite and he's not supposed to be touching a dead body. It's unclean. Disobedience. Then the scripture tells us that his father then went down to see the woman and there Samson held a feast as was customary for young men. You know what that word feast means in Hebrew? A drinking party. So not only now has he touched a dead body, but now evidently he's gotten caught up in a drinking party, perhaps drinking himself. Now while he's at this feast, he decides he's going to have a little fun because Samson did have a little bit of a sense of humor. And and, and so he tells a riddle and he says that if you can answer this riddle, if you could give me an answer to this riddle within seven days, then what I will do is I will make sure that each one of you get 30 pieces of linen and 30 changes of clothing. But he said that if you don't guess the riddle, then you've got to do the same for me. Well, after three days, they had not been able to guess what the riddle was. And so the Philistines, they grab this wife-to-be of Samson's, and they threaten her and say, listen, if you don't give us the answer to this riddle, we're going to burn you and your whole family up with fire. Well, she goes back then, and she manipulates Samson. She gets the answer to the riddle. And she goes back to the Philistines and tells them what the answer to the riddle is so that they come back and give Samson the answer. And here was Samson's response He said, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you'd have never got an answer to this riddle. I don't know how she took to being called a heifer. I don't know too many women to want to be referred to as a heifer. And he said, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you would have never found out the answer to this riddle. And then the Bible says this. It says that the Spirit of the Lord, are you noticing how many times we see that phrase? That the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon Samson and he went down to Ashkelon. He struck down 30 of their men, stripped them of everything and gave their clothes to those who had explained the riddle. And then it says, burning with anger, he returned to his father's home. Well, this girl's dad that he was supposed to marry thinks, well, Samson's gone, and he's not going to come back. And so verse 20 says that Samson's wife was given to one of his companions who had attended him at the feast. Well, what he didn't know is Samson did plan on coming back for her, and he did in chapter 15. He takes a young goat to give as a gift to this girl's father. And when he gets back, to where the girl's father is to present the goat, he finds out that the father has given his bride-to-be to to his best man in marriage. And boy, that really set him off. Now, Samson was kind of like the Hulk. You know, you didn't want to get him mad. You didn't want to set him off. And so do you know what he does? He goes out and he catches 300 foxes. And he ties their tails together And either he lights their tails on fire or somehow puts a a torch between their tails and he lights the torch and releases those foxes into the fields of the Philistines until all their crops were burned up. Some of you are like, that sounds like a pretty good idea to me. Well, the Philistines, of course, got angry. They immediately began to invade Judah. And the men of Judah... When they saw the Philistines coming and understand the people of Judah, even though they were people of God, they didn't have much for Samson because Samson was always stirring things up with the Philistines. And so these Philistines show up in Judah looking for Samson. And if they can't find it, of course, they said, we're going to take it out on the height of these that live here in Judah. And Judah says, well, just give us a little time. We will find him and we will bind him up and we will bring him back to you. And they did just that. They found out where Samson was. And the Bible says that they took two new ropes and they bound him and led him up from the rock. But notice what happens. It says that as he approached Lehi, the Philistines came towards Samson shouting. And here's that phrase again. The Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him. And the ropes on his arms became like charred flax, and the bindings dropped from his hands. And look what he did finding a fresh jawbone of a donkey, he grabbed it and struck down a thousand men. Wow, I told you, you don't want to tick Samson off. But he struck down a thousand men. But the worst comes in Judges chapter 16. Because it starts off saying that one day Samson went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute. Remember what I told you his weakness is. But he went to Gaza where he saw a prostitute and he went in to spend the night with her. And when some of the folks in Gaza found out that Samson was there, they went out. They shut the gates of the city. They locked everything up hoping to trap Samson inside. Samson just goes out to where the gates are, takes hold of them, rips them out of the ground, rips them off the wall and carries those bronze heavy gates 38 miles to a hill that faced Mount Hebron. We're talking about a guy that was strong. But then notice what happens when we get down here to verse 4. Sometimes later, Samson fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. This is probably the story that you're most familiar with when it comes to Samson. Delilah was the devil in disguise. And just as Satan and all of his demons worked together to try to steal your strength, Delilah and the Philistines would work together to try to do the same for Samson or to Samson. Because notice what happened. It says that the rulers of the Philistines went to Delilah and said, hey, see if you can lure him. Tempt him. See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his strength. Why? And how we can overpower him, how we can tie him up, and how we can subdue him. Now listen, they knew That as long as Samuel had that supernatural strength that they would never be able to overpower him. They would never be able to tie him up they would never be able to subdue him. The devil knows that as long as you're strong spiritually, he will never be able to overpower you. He will never be able to tie you up and bind you and put you in bondage. And he will never be able to subdue you, which means to bring you under submission. And you do understand that's the ultimate goal of the enemy is to bind you and to bring you under his control and under his submission. But he knows that he could never do it until first of all he weakens you and that's exactly what's happening here to Samson and it says so Delilah said to Samson tell me Samson the 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 secret of your great strength and how you can be tied up and subdued does this not seem crazy to anybody else besides me she's telling him what she wants to do I want to know the secret of your strength so I can tie you up so I can bind you so I can bring you under submission. So Samson cannot, listen, what we're gonna find out here is, Delilah did not steal Samson's strength. The Philistines did not steal Samson's strength. Samson gave up his strength. And there is no demon in hell that can rob you and I of our spiritual strength, but we can through neglect lose that spiritual strength. And he said, she said, tell me, what is the secret of your great strength? And three different times he misleads her as to where the source of his strength is. But notice in verse 16, Delilah wasn't going to give up. With such nagging, oh Lord, with such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. Anybody can relate to some nagging in the house today? Oh, don't say amen too loud she just nagged and nagged and prodded and prodded and prodded and then verse 17 says so he told her everything no razor understand he has already stepped outside the boundaries of the Nazarite vow by touching a dead body and engaging in a drinking party and now The secret of his strength. And he said, no razor's ever been used on my head. He said, because I've been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me. Listen, not because his hair was gone, but because he disobeyed God. As long as he lived within the confines of that Nazarite vow, he had strength. As long as he obeyed God, he had strength. So it wasn't just his hair disappearing that took his strength. It was his act of sin and rebellion and disobedience against God. And he said, if my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as any other man. And after putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of hair and so began to subdue him, and his strength left him. That's where some of you are here this morning. But notice in verse 20 it says, Then she called and she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he woke from his sleep and he thought, Well, I'll just go out as before and shake myself. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. And with the Lord leaving, so did his strength. So did his might. So did his power. And then notice what happened. Now that his strength is gone, and now that he is spiritually and physically weak, the Philistines did what? They seized him. They gouged out his eyes because when you lose your spiritual strength, listen to me, the first thing that goes is your discernment. And they gouged out his eyes. And they took him down to Gaza, binding him with bronze shackles. They set him to grinding grain in the prison. Look at that. Blinding. First first of all, it says they, they, they gouged out his eyes. It is a blinding, binding, grinding work that the enemy does to rob you, to take away from you your strength. Listen, what Samson thought was going to be a palace of pleasure ended up be a prison of grinding. And that's exactly the way the enemy is trying to deceive some people here today. Absolutely convinced that this sinful decision that you are considering right now, somebody in this room right now, you are on dangerous ground, you're spiritually weak, and you're about to make a bad, choice and the enemy has got you convinced that it's going to be your palace of pleasure but what you're going to end up with is you're going to end up with life being a grind everything being a grind your joy gone your peace gone your happiness gone all of those things that God gave you gone and here he is in prison right the enemy would have never been able to do this to him if he hadn't first gotten his strength. Well, we sang about it a little bit ago. My king (laughs) is known by mercy. And my king is known by love. And you see that in the very next verse. But the hair on Samson's head began to grow again. Evidently, what Samson does is he begins to turn his heart back toward God and he begins to seek the face of God and he begins to get back into right relationship with God because his hair growing was a sign that his strength was being renewed, that his strength was being restored. Hallelujah. And the hair on his head began to grow again after it had been shaved. But verse 28, it says, then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And the Bible tells us that in Samson's death, he destroyed more of the enemy, 3,000 Philistines. He destroyed more Philistines Philistines through his death than he did during his entire life, because the Lord is a gracious God and a merciful God and a God of love that will renew our strength. Hallelujah. I hear somebody this morning saying, Pastor, I'm concerned about myself. I think that I'm spiritually weak. I'm easily tempted. I'm in despair. I'm overwhelmed today, Pastor. Is there anything that I can do to be renewed in my strength? And the answer is yes. Yes. And you know what? It's simple. God could not have made it any more simpler than he did. And it's Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall, everybody say shall, shall, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. You know, the key to this passage of Scripture is the word wait. It doesn't just mean to just take a seat and just say, okay, Lord, I'm just waiting on you, you know. You know come on, Lord, I'm weak. I need you to strengthen. No, 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 no. That's not what the word wait means there. It, it means to tarry in the presence of God. That's what the word wait means. It, it, it means to, to to as you are tarrying in the presence of God. As a matter of fact, the word wait in Hebrew, it, it, it gives the meaning of a twisting or an entwining. Let, let, me, let me see if I can't just give you a picture of it. It's like that these cords, that one represents you and the other one represents the Lord. and You get in the Lord's presence. This is what it means to wait on the Lord is that you get in His presence and you begin to seek His face and as you begin to seek his face all of a sudden he twists and he entwines himself around you and you entwine yourself around him until that those two cords they become one in other words you tarry in the presence of God until you experience oneness and the two become one and you become stronger that nothing is able to destroy and nothing is able to take you out that's what it means to wait on the Lord, to wait on the Lord. Because, you know, the problem is too many people today, they want to take shortcuts. You, you, you can't take shortcuts. Too many people don't want to pray. Too many people don't want to study the Word of God. They want to take shortcuts. They want to go somewhere and be zapped. That's why they go from prophet to prophetess and evangelist to evangelist and pastor to teacher and church to church and event to event and conference to conference and seminar to seminar because they're looking for a shortcut. Listen to me. There is not a shortcut. If you want to be renewed in the presence of God, I love David Wilkerson. If you don't listen to David Wilkerson, you need to listen to David. He went home to be with the Lord in 2011. If there was ever a prophet on the face of this earth, David Wilkerson was a prophet on the face of this earth while God had him here. And a gentleman came to his service one Sunday and he said, I'm here from Australia. He said, I have felt myself getting spiritually weak and I've come here to America looking to be renewed in my strength. And he said, I've been to this church and I've been to that church and I've been to this ministry and that ministry and I haven't been able to find what I'm looking for. But a prophet has told me that I needed to come and see you Dr. Wilkerson and that you would have a word for me and he said yeah I got a word for you go home go home stop your running He said, there's no shortcuts to what you're looking for. But he said, what you need to do is you need to go home and you need to get in your secret place. You need to get into your prayer closet and you need to hide yourself in the presence of God and you need to pray like you've never prayed and you need to get into the word of God like you've never gotten into the word of God before. Listen to me here this morning. If you've got a Bible that you can't write in, give it away. If you've got a Bible that you can't highlight and underline and write notes in, you need to give that Bible away and buy you a Bible that you can highlight, that you can underline, that you can write notes in. Because listen, I'm talking to you about spiritual strength for the middle today. You're not going to get the kind of strength you need for the times that we're living in right now. Going from one meeting to the next and hoping that the hand of one man of God or a woman of God is going to zap you and give you what you need in a moment. No, the kind of strength that you need in the day and time that we're living in right now you will only find it in your secret place you will only find it in that prayer closet where you and God all can become one in thought and you become one in action and you become one in mission and vision with the Lord oh somebody ought to give God a praise in this room hallelujah 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 Thank you, Lord. Come on. I started to say stand with me, but not yet. Good example. Bart, get ready to come join me here in a minute. Tanya, if you'll help me. A good example of staying strong is a guy by the name of Caleb my favorite, one of my favorite characters in the Bible, name one of my sons after him, Caleb. Notice it says, Caleb said, when I was 40 years old, or I was 40 years old, when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. This is when they've come out of a, being a nation of slaves in Egypt And they're just a few days into their journey. And they're on the brink of going into the promised land. And Moses takes the leader from each of the 12 tribes and he makes spies of them. He says, I want you to go in and spy out the land so that we can prepare ourselves. 10 of the 12 spies, as we'll see here in just a moment, 10 of the 12 spies came back with a negative report. They said, man, those giants over there, they're so big, we compared to them, we look like grasshoppers. But notice what Caleb said. He said, but I brought back word as it was in my heart. Joshua and Caleb are the only two that came back saying, hey, I don't care how big those giants are. God's bigger than them. And we can take this land. But the crowd, as many times they do, listened to the majority and had to wander in that wilderness for 40 more years. But notice verse eight, he said, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. Here's the key, but I wholly followed the Lord, my God. And so because of that, he said, Moses swore to me that day and said, when we finally do get into the promised land, he said, that land that you set foot on today, 40 years earlier, he said, surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Why? Because you have wholly followed the Lord. He and the Lord were one. He wholly followed the Lord. And so, verse 10 says, And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years, ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses, while Israel was wandering in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, I'm 85. In other words, he said, I was 40 when God gave me the promise I'm 85 now. It's been 45 years later. He said, I'm 85 years old now. And yet, (laughs) I am as strong this day as I was the day Moses sent me, just as my strength was when I was 40 years old. He said, just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, Give me this mountain. <laughs> you see, that's, that's the secret of spiritual strength. Holy following the Lord. Well, I hope that you were blessed and inspired by today's message. We here at Summerton Church of God believe that God is a God who still does miracles. And we're seeing it on a weekly basis. People's lives being transformed by the power of God. Being saved, healed, and delivered for the glory of God. And we want you to experience for yourself. So why don't you come and be our guest one Sunday here at Summerton Church of God. I look forward to personally meeting you.